Welcome to STEAM State of Mind, your favorite source for all things STEAM education. STEAM State of Mind. This isn't just science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. It's a state of mind, a different way to approach education in the classroom. STEAM State of Mind. Enjoy these conversations with educators, students, and community members as we explore what it means to be in a STEAM State of Mind. STEAM State of Mind. Coming to you from Kettering, Ohio, I'm Carrie Basson, Community Relations Coordinator for the Kettering City Schools. And my name is Bern Sweeterman, and I am the STEAM Integration Coach for the Kettering City Schools Elementary Schools. Awesome. And we, uh, Bern and I, are excited today to be launching a new podcast that we've termed STEAM State of Mind, and we're going to be bringing you lots of interesting uh, items about STEAM education and burn. Why don't we start at the beginning and why? Why are we doing this STEAM State of Mind podcast? Well, the STEAM State of Mind podcast was really developed because of conversations. And we actually had a conversation and a really good one after you witnessed something that we were doing with um, third grade students at yes, one of the we schools. Did. Yeah, and it was pretty cool. It was awesome. Um, and so you started asking all these questions and so many other people have been asking so many questions about, well, what is really STEAM? Because STEAM, as you know, is misunderstood in a lot of ways. And so we discussed this would be a really good podcast. And so we decided at that point, you know what? We need to educate people about what is STEAM education, get people involved in it and the community and the um, the educators and the administrators and anybody um, who really wants to understand what STEAM education is all about. And I think probably everybody out there can tell you what the STEAM acronym stands for, uh, science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Yes. What exactly, when you take that a step further and you add the word education, why does that become different? Why is it um, something that, that you're so passionate about here in Kettering? Well, so that, that is probably, and we're going to get into this in our next episode too more, where the misunderstanding of what STEAM education is really all about. To the listeners out there, here's the history of STEAM education, according to Britannica. The STEM acronym was introduced in 2001 at the U.S. National Science Foundation. The organization previously used the acronym SMET when referring to a curriculum that integrated knowledge and skills from those fields. American biologist Judith Ramalee rearranged the words to form the STEM acronym. STEM-focused curriculum has been extended to many countries beyond the United States. In 2005, a report from the U.S. National Academy of Science, Engineering, and medicine titled Rising Above the Gathering Storm stressed the link between prosperity, jobs focused on science and technology, and innovation to address societal problems. The report predicted dire consequences if the country could not compete in the global economy as the result of a poorly prepared workforce. STEAM education is seen as being crucial to maintaining U.S. prosperity. And now let's get back to the conversation. So STEAM education, just get rid of all of those S-T-E-A-M 
I don't care what we can add reading to you grad social studies. It doesn't matter because really STEAM education is a mindset. It is a philosophy. It's a state of mind where you are actually using problem solving skills and curiosity and all of, you know, critical thinking to solve problems. And it's the integration of everything together that we do naturally in our minds and naturally in our world to solve problems. And that's what we need for our students to learn how to do in this world. Right. And what are some of the um, examples? And I, and I witnessed even during, um, you know, COVID last year when, when we had some restrictions and things like that, you were able to get out <laughs> and really work with our teachers and, and their students as well. And what are some examples of some neat ways that you incorporated everything into STEAM education and you made it that kind of all-inclusive, no matter if you're talking about social studies or you're talking about science or you're talking about art, that that you really made it come alive for some of those students because you really did. I, I witnessed it. Yeah, well, almost everything that you can do in the classroom can be STEAM mindset. And so the thing that one of the things that you witnessed was when we were doing the um, the, st the students were challenged uh, with the problem of revitalizing a ghost town. And so we gave them a real-world scenario where the students were looking at um, taking a problem that Ohio is looking at or trying to solve, and that is transportation. And it all goes on the standard base, too. I want to make sure that that's clear, that everything is standard base. This is not something extra. This is something... Right that um, is what we are supposed to be teaching and what the kids are supposed to be actively engaged in. And so basically what we did is we posed the problem to the students. We said, hey, um, Amtrak wants to help the transportation system in Ohio by adding these new rail lines and stuff. And um, the state of Ohio is looking into it. They want to connect these big cities and with that, we also want to establish a hub, if you want to say, for Amtrak in this ghost town that is called Moonville. Now, Moonville actually exists. I actually went mm -hmm. out there. <laughs> it is really cool. Cool little place, know, good hiking trips. Awesome pictures when you're out there. Yeah. And so the, but the students then um, investigate, well, what happened to Moonville? They looked at timelines that was with the social studies and why did Moonville become a ghost town and natural resources and um, figuring out, well, what does, what makes a community? And that's part of their social studies um, standards too. To the listeners out there, what really happened to Moonville? So according to the Ohio Department of Natural Resources, the Moonville Tunnel in Zaleski State Forest is one of few reminders of the ghost town of Moonville. In, 19, in 1856, Samuel Coe gave the Marietta and Cincinnati Railroad permission to construct a railroad line across his property. Coe hoped that the line would then provide him an easy means to ship coal and clay on his property. The railroad accepted the offer for two reasons. First, Coe offered the land for free. And second, Coe's land would provide a better route for the track from Marietta to Cincinnati. The community of Moonville soon sprung up on Coe's land around the railroad. 
Moonville principally housed miners and a few railroad workers. The town had approximately 100 residents at its peak in the 1800s. Yet the community declined, especially during the early 1900s as coal mines started closing. The last family abandoned Moonville in 1947. Today, only the old schoolhouse's foundation, a train tunnel, and the community cemetery remain. Despite being a ghost town, Moonville remains well known due to its reputation of being haunted. Believers say that ghosts of railroad workers struck down by a train in Moonville in the Moonville Tunnel still wave their lanterns in the abandoned tunnel. Today, visitors can hike portions of this abandoned railroad line, which are being converted into walking and bike trails. And now back to the conversation. And then they they actually got into, they started asking their own questions and started figuring like, okay, if we are going to develop a new community and redevelop Moonville, Ohio for Amtrak, what are they going to need? What are the basic needs that they're going to, you know, to be able to have a productive city and attract businesses and attract people who want to live there, make it really cool to live there, that type of thing. But we also threw in a little monkey wrench into it um, with the, you know, with the COVID situation, which is real to all of them. We also said we wanted it to be a self-sustaining community. So if something like COVID would ever occur again or something like that, that they could stay they could continue their work and that type of thing without going outside of the Moonville community. Everybody's and, gonna want to live in Moonville. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but that I, you know, and these kids really got involved in because it was real to them. It was a real life problem, and they did all of this. They started asking questions. Well, what about? Okay, so they're gonna need food. Well, what kind of agriculture? And then they looked at the formation, the land formation at Moonville and discovered, hold it, we can't grow crops on this. It was a rocky area. Um, They looked at um, Google Earth and was able to zoom in on the different, you know, what was there, you know, the trees and the, you know, there's a couple of abandoned homes nearby and there's a, you know, a railroad track, a tunnel, you know, that goes through there. It's really, really kind of a cool place. And they looked at, okay, well, we're going to need some type of energy source. And so they looked at the different rivers that are going by there and decided what type of, where are we going to get our energy from? Are we going to get solar? Are we going to get hydro? Or are we going to go to natural gas? Whatever, you know, they were making, they made their own decisions in these small collaborative groups. And at the end of the whole thing, you know, they had reading that went with it, you know, the language arts, the writing pieces, the the math that went with it, the, um, all the social studies and science, and they were actively engaged mm-hmm. in creating this community where they were would be able to um, present to the state of Ohio and be able to say, hey, this is our plan for Moonville. This is where Amtrak should be. This is our plan. This is our idea. So we actually went ahead and we had a person from um, Toledo come down, and he's the one of their city planners. And the students presented their 3D models, their whole plans to the city planner. And they were so 
excited and they did such an amazing job. And I was shocked about how much they retained, how much they learned, how much they were able to communicate their ideas and their critical thinking and their problem solving skills that they went through. That's just one example of many that we're trying to do here in Kettering and with STEAM education. And and I think, you know, back in the day, um, some of us who, who aren't as knowledgeable about STEAM education and what it really is, some of us who kind of misunderstand STEAM ed- education might question whether a, you know, a third grader can can go through that entire process and come up with a, a viable plan to present to an actual city planner. But you're never surprised by that. You're never <laughs> surprised and, and you never... Um, I've seen you in action enough, and you never say never. I mean, these kids just do amazing things, and you kind of coach them, and sometimes they're teachers along to to let them understand that they can do this, and they just need to collaborate and problem-solve and work together and use the skills that they have. And why is that so important to STEAM education? What what I look at, and, and this this is part of the part of the coaching that I need to work on and help, you know, not just educators, not just the students, but actually the community in general, where we have been so focused on that final product. (laughs) You know, we're so focused on what the, what is it going to look like at the end? And so think about the old science fair projects. Okay. How many times do we know that when you look at that science fair project and you know, Okay, how much did mom and dad? Right. <laughs> how much did they? You can do? always tell the ones that mom and dad helped with. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so you know, sometimes you know, when you just look at that final product, it's not really telling of what the student really has accomplished or what they really got out of the whole process. And so that's the thing; it's the process. How did they get there? You know, mm-hmm. um, and that process looks different. In every for every student, you know, if I next year, if we do that whole Moonville thing again, which I'm sure we will, it's going to look different. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's going to look different because you have different kids. They have the voice. It's that student voice that leads the process and how they, you know, their interests and where their questions go and where their problem solving goes. It's that process, not that final product. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame educators. I mean, I was in the same shoes, you know, all the time. It's like, oh, we have to have grades. Oh, we have to have, you know, like that flashy final thing or whatever. That is what I'm really trying to, you know, coach the, you know, the teachers and the, you know, the administrators and the parent that it's that process that we're really focused on, not so much that end product, because the end product can be done and look flashy. But if you didn't learn anything along the way, then it's not helpful. Right. It's a steam state of mind, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's <that laughs> it's steam making state sure of mind. that there's a state of mind that incorporates all of those important aspects into that child's, you know, everyday classroom work and what they're doing together with their teachers and their fellow classmates, not necessarily what they're doing sitting at the dining room table with mom and dad, right. you know, well, in and, preparation and for a science fair or something. And it's that not that there's anything wrong with science fairs. No, I'm not saying anything wrong with science fair, but it's different where we can do it differently. You're looking at that, you know, um, they're being judged on that final product. Mm -hmm. What problems did they solve along the way? What challenges did they have to overcome? What social and emotional learning did they have to use to get into, you know, I mean, to, to 
to figure something out, to come up with a plan. I mean, all of those things are very critical, not just that final product or that grade. So for a great example is when you um, observed those students doing that presentation, Mm -hmm. there was this one student along the entire process that I wasn't for sure of. She was, you know, really getting it. You know, she was not producing, you know, because we had writing along the way. Her writing was just, eh, and it wasn't even, you know. Grade level, maybe? Yeah. And, yeah. and, but the teacher, you know, is like, you know, I think she's pretty smart and she would tell us some things, but then I didn't know how engaged she was in it. She was the one student that I was most worried about. Oh my God, did she, she blew my mind when it came to that presentation. She, she stood up, she stepped up and almost gave the entire presentation, gave great details, facts, why they did things, how they did things, what went on, all this stuff. I was in shock. I was sitting back there like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe. She got it. She got it. (laughs) You know, she was, but she just showed it in different ways. She just, um, she she was able to comprehend everything that we wanted her, the standards that we wanted her to be able to do, but she wasn't, she was able to show us in a different way way that she understood compared to the way that we typically, you know, try to yeah. have the students show us. And isn't that amazing thing to watch? Yeah, differentiation. I mean, yeah, just, for sure. I mean, just so much fun. It's so exciting. That's what, that is the STEAM education is so exciting and it's so much fun. And the purpose of this podcast is to share that excitement, is to give people that, that understanding of the that STEAM education is a mindset. It's a state of mind. It's mm-hmm. not just, it's not a program. It's not something that you can give your, you know, here's a book, here's a text manual here. Just follow this page by page and you'll be great. It's not done right. that way. So as a STEAM coach, what what qualifies Bern Sweeterman to be a STEAM coach? <laughs> As we're well, sitting here, you. you sound like you sure know what you're talking about. But <laughs> tell me, tell me what qualifies you as a steam coach? Well, I could tell you. Well, I have two master's degrees, and you know, taken all these different courses, and you know, I'm a um, a STEM fellow. Um, all of those things um, I could tell you. But really, really, what what qualifies me? And I mean, I'm still learning, and I'm a lifelong learner. And that is the whole thing is I went through the process of problem solving and trying to figure out how to become a better teacher, how to um, take what I what I was seeing that I didn't feel I was doing a good job educating my students. So I taught fifth grade for 26 years. And, you know, at the beginning of my career, there was no testing. There was nothing in the 1990, all the way back then, mm-hmm. <laughs> when yeah. I first started teaching, there was no standardized, no, testing. no standardized testing. Now, I'm not saying standardized testing are bad. Right. You know, I don't, I'm not saying it's bad. but um, And we can talk about that at a whole other podcast because you have a lot to say about totally. that as well. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, well, I think a lot of people have a lot to say about that. But the, the part of it was um, I was... I was not happy with what I was having my students do and their engagement in their own learning. Um, I felt like I was really good at getting the kids to regurgitate the information that they needed for the test, but they weren't really involved in their education. They weren't retaining the information or it wasn't memorable. It wasn't the experiences that 
the reason why I became an educator in the first place. I mean, that's been, gosh, almost 15 years ago, 14, mm-hmm. 15 years ago that I started this journey of like, I got to change. I'm, I'm, I don't like doing what I'm doing the way I'm doing it. And so I, I just started working with people, started educating myself, started developing. And actually, I developed that mindset of that steam state of mind that I didn't realize at the time that it even had like those letters steam or whatever. I didn't know there was something out there that was being developed while I was trying to develop this. Um, and then once I discovered like, oh my gosh, this is, this is what I, <laughs> I got to get really involved in this. Yeah. Yes. And so, um, you know, the bottom line is, is that I really went through that problem solving process of, you know, figuring out how to become a better teacher and how to get these students more engaged and um, highly motivated to learn more, to be lifelong learners. And that's what I feel like I am. I'm a lifelong Mm -hmm. learner. I'm constantly trying to learn new things and trying to figure out the better way of doing things and making it better for everybody. Well, and I think that's what makes you a great coach and is why you're so effective here in the Kettering Schools you bring teachers along with you who want to learn more and want to get better. And I think that's what makes you a great coach. So, well, and is, I, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn. I'm not because I feel like there's so. Oh, I know. So... Cause every time I talk to you say, I have so much more to learn. I have so much more to learn. <laughs> well, yeah. But that's and, awesome. And what's really cool is that in the position that I'm in right now, being a steam coach, integration coach, is that I get to go be out there in the classroom and there are so many incredible teachers out there. I am learning so much from them mm-hmm. and the collaboration that we're doing together and, you know, to pulling these ideas, these great plans and these ideas together to make these awesome STEAM experiences for the students. I mean, it is so exciting. I leave some of these meetings like, oh my goodness, this is just going to be, the kids are going to love this, you yeah. know. And then you let them, the students kind of take, I don't want to say take over, but, you know, you let them have their voice and then it gets even better because they're now participants in their education. And it's mm-hmm. just so exciting and so much fun. I love being a STEAM coach. And, you know, the teachers taking this risk of like, okay, you know, Byrne promised me that my students are still <laughs> going to pass that test. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like they will. It'll yeah. be OK, you know, because that's such high pressure on them. Sure. But, um, you know, a lot of the educators are taking that risk and jumping, you know, in head first. Like, OK, it's all about trust, right. you know, trusting that this it's going to be OK. And well, and then I fun. think STEAM education is teaching us that that it's okay for kids to have fun and to be excited while they learn, and that maybe they even absorb a little bit more knowledge and a little bit more understanding when it is fun and exciting for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I learn best when it's fun and exciting. Sure. I mean, Absolutely. if I'm bored, I'm tuned out, you know. <laughs> I don't learn nearly as much exactly. as compared to when exactly. I'm engaged. So, I mean, that's just being human. So, you know, Bern, in, in, in conversations we've had, you're, you're always telling me that there's so much I don't know. And, and um, part of what I love about my job is that I'm always learning and that, you know, I'll, I'll never stop learning and, and I'm, I'm never going to be one to say I know it all. Is, is that humility that, that you emanate, is that part of this whole STEAM state of mind? Well, when you talk about humility, 
I guess part of when you talk to teachers in general, I think most teachers don't give themselves enough credit. Like I, that's one of the things that I try to do in the classroom when I'm with teachers, you know, is to tell them, you know, wow, this is what you're doing is amazing. And they always divert it to something else. Like, well, that's because of whatever. And I think that's what I do too. I have that same problem, like where people are like, oh, burn, this was really awesome. And then I always give the credit to somebody else or do something else. (laughs) (laughs) Or in back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, but it could be so much better. I know that, you know, I don't know if that's being humble or humility or if that's just being a teacher. I think we don't give ourselves enough credit for our how much we do and how much we how much we actually have that state of mind of that lifelong learner and that constantly trying to be better and constantly trying to make it better for our students and we are just striving to make you know help these kids yeah. to help you know society and to help our community and to be a better place and to be a better world and all of that stuff that's a big responsibility and so it's humbling you know <laughs> to mm-hmm. think about it that way yeah. and so i think that um you know is burn sweeterman a humble person i don't know i i think it's just a natural <laughs> thing for are. teacher well <laughs> i don't know about that in but, a good way and only a good way so i mean you know i just i love um, seeing people excited about learning, adults excited about learning, you know, kids excited about learning and using that information, using their experiences and applying it. I think that's so much fun. That's why I love coaching. Well, before we wrap up, we've decided we're going to start an Ask Coach Schwederman section of our podcast. So I actually have... Lori, who submitted a question to us. Anybody can do that. We'll tell you how to do that here before we finish up here. But Lori's question seems kind of simple, but um, complex at the same time. So how do I begin? (laughs) So Lori, that is such a good question because I get that a lot as a coach. Like, okay, just tell me what to do. You know, Mm -hmm. how do I start? And so... um, this is something we've discussed before in the past about, I got this from, I'm stealing this from somebody else about this kitchen analogy. There are people in the kitchen that some people are chefs, some people are cooks, some people are servers, and some people just want to be served. And there's other people that don't even want to be in the kitchen at all. Like, no, I don't want to be there at all. So I, first of all, um, Lori, what I would do is I'd try to find out, well, where are you? You know, what do you want to be? Do you, first of all, do you want to be a cook where you're just given the ingredients, everything you need, and to be able to just start out that way? Like, tell me, you know, kind of how to do it. Exactly what to do. Like, one, two, three. Instructions. Give me the recipe. Or you might be somebody like, okay, just show me. I'm going to sit out here, serve me. You know, I just show me what to do and I will watch it first a couple of times and I will, you know, see what happens. And then you also, you know, maybe you're a chef already where it's like, okay, I kind of know about this, but I, you know, and I do this and I do that and I have this and social studies and this and language arts and this and math. And how do I put that all together and blend it? You know, figure out where you are, what your comfort level is. And then from that point on, 
then um, seek help. There's a lot of great resources out there and a lot of great um, STEAM communities on Facebook and on Twitter and that type of thing. And you ask the question out there and people are willing to share and give you a lot of things that you would like to do or, you know, that could be very helpful for your classroom. But how do you start is start with your comfort level. What are you comfortable with? And then once you've decided, am I a chef? Am I a cook? Am I a server? Or do I just want to be served? Then go from there. And it's not like there's any bad place to start, right? Just Absolutely if you have not. a, a no. desire and a passion to, to incorporate or make STEAM education a state of mind within your classroom. So there's no bad place to start. No, the cook and the chef and the server and the served. Just get start and don't be afraid to fail. Take the risk. You're going to fail. I fail every day. I mean, <laughs> you're going to fail. There you go. Without it's, humility again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I love um, first attempt to learning and learning or something like first that. First attempt is, and learning, I think. Yeah. yeah. And so basically it's just, you know, you're going to fail and it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. And it's okay if your students see you fail. Because, you know, part of the fun about STEAM education, too, is you're learning together. You know, do you know I, there's so many times when students ask me questions about like, hey, Mr. Sweeterman, you know, what about, what is this? You know, what is that? And I'll be like, I don't know. Let's find out, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I don't know. And you can't, there's no way, you can't know everything. We're mm-hmm. not the encyclopedias or... Siri, you know, right, right. <laughs> so, but it's fun, you know, just start someplace and be willing to take risks and it's okay if you fail. And that's all right for, for the kids to see that as well. And, um, sometimes, you know, like you said, sometimes when you fail, um, what you learn from that is more impactful than, than if you oh, had yeah. kind of, you know, known it before you went in kind of thing. Oh yeah. People, you can, um, you remember your failures a lot more. <laughs> That's part of being Especially human too. Especially if you can learn from them. Yes. You know? As long as if you use, you know, learn from it. Right. Yes. You use, use those failures to, to learn something new, accomplish something and, and move forward. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So right. I, I'm really excited and thank you for doing this being part of this, Carrie, and you know what, and you're you're welcome. But you know what, I what I just it just kind of dawned on me that I want to be sure that that we let our audience know is that we've got um, not just you and myself and John Gentry involved in this, but we've got students involved. We've got students from our digital design class that are involved in creating the logo for the podcast. We've got music students who have created and performed the music that you heard as part of the podcast. Why is that so important, part of this whole process? So what's really cool about this podcast, and I'm so excited about this, is that this podcast is a STEAM state of mind. It is a true PBL project-based learning experience for our high school students where they are actually learning how to create podcasts, how to edit podcasts, how to do different um, things to make it even better. And they are coming up with the music. They're coming up with the, um, the artwork and, you know, that type of thing. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping I can learn from them as they go through this experience too. So mm-hmm. this podcast isn't something that is just, you know, professionally being done by, 
you know, ours truly John Gentry. Um, <laughs> it's actually going to be a learning experience, and our student, the, the high school students here at Fairmont, are actually going to be producing this podcast, right. and you know, they're learning along the way, and so. This podcast is a STEAM experience. Right. It's STEAM education. And so that's really fun. STEAM and education I really love- at its best and um, just just continuing that STEAM state of mind. Yes. So thank you again. And I'm really excited because our next podcast is going to be really important. It's going to be on September 23rd. And on that podcast, um, we're going to be talking about the misconceptions that surround STEAM education. And there's a lot of them. And so that is one of the biggest challenges as a coach that I have is just tearing down all these misconceptions about STEAM education. And so that's what we'll be discussing, chatting about in our next session. September 23rd. Hope you can join us. Thank you, Carrie. Thanks, Bernie.